The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Happy New Year! Well, you sound happy. That's what I do, offend right out of the gate. Welcome to the Tabernacle. Uh, whether you're here live or if you're uh, dialing in online, we're glad that you're with us. My name is John, I'm one of your pastors, and uh, today we're going to be continuing uh, our study in Mark. And we're in chapter 7. I encourage you, if you have a Bible, uh, to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd like to give you one. You can go out to the hub and ask, hey, I don't have a Bible. I'd like to get one if I could, and we'll do our best to get one in your hands. I would also take this opportunity before we get started that to make the teaching part, the preaching time of every service, uh, richer for you, uh, number one, you can get a better preacher than me. Um, But if you're not going to do that, then read ahead. That'll help is what I was really going after, right? If uh, you're spending a little time getting familiar with the passage, especially if you don't have a Christian or a church background, uh, that'll that'll help just a bit. But it's, it's always good to saturate ourselves within God's word. So then when we get to the teaching time, it's just a little bit easier. But if you didn't, that's okay. We'll do our best to unpack it for you. And here we are in chapter 7. And we're going to look at two miracles uh, that Jesus performed. But hopefully we can look at them in a little bit of a different way because they are unique. It's real easy to just kind of read through the Gospels or read through the Bible and then just go, well, then that happened and then, then will this happen? And I hope he healed another guy. Well, what what is there in that story for us, for me? And I think if we spend a little time on our study, we'll find that everything that Jesus did was good and everything he did was unique. And so starting in verse uh, 24 of chapter 7, this is how God's word reads. It says, and from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he, that's Jesus, said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed. And the demon gone. Verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, 
He put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epfatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is God's word. And and one of the things that I want to say right out of the gate is another thing that's very helpful for us when we read God's word is first of all to say, what does it say? And then secondly, to say to ourselves, what does it mean? And then finally, after we've deciphered what it says and then what does it mean, then we can get to now what does it mean for me? How does my life need to be impacted? Because God's word is like a mirror. And I use that technique every time I come to the scripture that we're going to preach on. But I found myself this week as I'm looking at this text saying, why did he do that? Why did he do those things? Because there's some unique things. And you know, if, if you've been around for a minute, that there's times when, you know, you look at God and say, why did he do that? And Jesus is God in flesh. So why did he do the things that he did in this story? The first thing that jumped out to me on the why does he do that little vein of questioning is why did he go to Tyre and Sidon? Tyre and Sidon are Gentile cities. They're not Jewish cities. They're not even in Israel. They're not even in Palestine. They're in present day Lebanon. What's he doing up there? I thought he wasn't called to those people. What's he going to Tyre and Sidon for? You know, and why is he in this house where he didn't want to be known? Why did he do that? And then the thing with the lady, I mean, this dear lady who comes and begs. And if you're wondering, like I was when you first read it, you didn't miss anything. He implied at best, at worst, called her a dog. Wait a minute. What happened to shiny, happy, you know, hippie, love everybody, Jesus? Really? Lady comes desperate with her child and you're going to call her a dog? Does that bother anybody here? Oh, well. (laughs) This is northern Michigan, John. (laughs) It should bother you, you heathens. And then when the whole deaf guy and the mute thing, why did he really spit? Last week he's talking about food that goes in and comes out and goes to the sewer. And this week we're spitting... You know, I mean, I remember as a little kid going through a spitting phase and she was around 10 or 11. You spit all the time. I don't know what it is. Something about the saliva. And my mother back in the day told me, well, that's just uncouth. And here we have Holy Spirit inspired scriptures. Jesus performs a supernatural miracle of God involving spit and a whole lot of other shenanigans. What was that about? All they said was put your hand on him. Why did he do that? Well, this is important for us because... No matter what brought you here, what stage of life that you're in, if it hasn't happened already or isn't happening now, there's going to come a time where you're going to look around and go, really? God, why are you doing what you're doing? Because if he's a sovereign God and he's in charge of everything, he may not commit everything that happens in your life, but he'll allow it. Well, don't split hairs with me. Why, God? Why? Well, it's the same thing with the story. So we'll break them down one at a time. Let's look at the first thing. Why did he go to Tyre and Sidon? 
Why did he go to Gentile country? Why did he go out of Israel, the people he's called to, and instead go to these Gentiles? And why did he not want his presence to be known? Well, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you exactly why. In fact, I actually read some commentaries this week that that tried to pretend, well, Jesus needed a rest, and so that's what he was trying to do. Let's go into Gentile country where they're not trying to make me king, and I'll just go get a rest. Uh, I think he's Jesus. If he wants a rest, he'll find a way. I think he, right? And, and, And it doesn't tell us exactly why he wanted to remain hidden. But we do know that he moved outside of the boundary between Gentile country and Israel. We know that he moved into a place that he wasn't expected to be in. Jesus went somewhere that wasn't on my itinerary or yours. And the truth that I pull out of that, I think, is a timeless truth, and that's simply that Jesus can't be contained. Jesus cannot be contained. He's not contained to our church, did you know? Did you know there's other churches? He cannot be contained to my experience and fulfilling my expectations. He can't be contained to the boundaries of this state or this country. He's not contained to people that have the same skin color as I do. You can't contain Jesus. And I don't know what they were expecting or even what the disciples were expecting. But Jesus uh, doesn't respect your boundary. Oh, you've got a boundary? That's nice. I'm going to go up to Tyre and Sidon. Jesus can't be contained. Now, it does say that he didn't want anyone to know that he was there. And we can't know all the details of why. But I love that verse where it says, but he could not be hidden. He could not be hidden. Let me tell you something. This is a different sermon that I could just go off on. If you think you have Jesus and he is in your life and he is hidden, you don't know Jesus. You don't have Jesus. He cannot be hidden. Not the real Jesus. The little plastic Jesus. The little idea of what we think Jesus is. Oh, you can hide that. But the real Jesus, the wild, recklessly loving Jesus, you can't contain that. And just like he wasn't going to be contained to Israel, he's not going to be contained to the little lines that I want him to color inside of. You got God in a box? Have fun with that. He'll break your little box and he'll create a new one. And it won't be a box. It'll be 3D and who knows what shape it's going to be. But I found in my life that whenever I try to put God in a box, what I mean by that is this is the way he acts. This is the way he works. This is the way he speaks. God decides when and how he'll act and what he'll do. That's why I say things like he is a for real God that way, isn't he? Now, maybe one of the reasons that he went up there was to foreshadow for his disciples that the gospel's not just for Israel. It's not just for Jews. We know later from Paul that the gospel's meant for all. He means for all that, or he wants that all men would be saved. Not all men will be saved. But it's not just for Jews. It's for Gentiles. It's for white. It's for black. It's for Asian. It's for African. It's for crazy youpers. Bless their hearts, right? Up there in the land of the Shire, to where the short, angry people live. We love it. 
I love it. I got friends in Escanaba now. Jesus can't be contained. He's foreshadowing. But maybe one other clue to why did he do that is this. You ready for this? You remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about the man who had the demons? Remember him? The guy that was cutting himself and living among the graves. Remember that guy? He had a legion of demons and somehow some semblance of consciousness. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and begged to be released. And, and, and the demons begged not to be thrown out. And he sent him into the pigs. Remember the demon pigs? Don't make me make the sound. And they went over the cliff. Do you remember that guy begged to go with Jesus? And Jesus wouldn't let him. And instead, Jesus said, stay here. In fact, go into the Decapolis and tell your friends everything that the Lord has done for you. Remember, remember the people in that region begged Jesus to leave. One guy begged to go with him. They didn't want him there. They didn't want to see that power. They didn't want that life change. And so he left one domino. You stay here and tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. Now, I don't know, has it been months later? Is it a year later? We don't know for sure. Now they're coming to Jesus. I wonder, I just wonder, I wonder if the woman had heard from Mr. Legion. I wonder if the guys that bring the deaf man later in the passage, I wonder if they were sitting in a bar with Mr. Legion. Let me tell you about that guy, Jesus. Don't ever underestimate the power of one person and their influence and their testimony and their story. You know why? Because Jesus can't be contained. He can't be contained. What about the lady with the dog reference? What is that about? Why did Jesus call her a dog? Now, first of all, you need to know that we're in Gentile country and Jews actually referred to Gentiles, in a derogatory way, they would call them dogs. We're the children of Abraham, so we're the children of God. We're the chosen ones, sons and daughter of Abraham. So if you were Gentile, if you were outside that, you were less than. So Jesus is speaking the vernacular of the day. He is being culturally relevant, but it still doesn't help me because I want Jesus to love and accept, and especially a a mom pleading for her child. You know, there's the saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Hell hath no fury like a mama pleading for her baby. And that's who this woman is. Well, one of the cool things about the scripture, one of the cool things about the gospels is we can refer to other gospels because there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And though they don't all contain everything that Jesus did and they don't all follow all the stories, they, when they do share the same story, sometimes we can get details that maybe Mark left out. And Mark does leave out a lot of details, right? Have you noticed that? It's always like, and Jesus did this and immediately he went there and immediately he did this and immediately they were healed and then they immediately moved on. It's like he's a northern Michigan man. He's in a hurry. He's got no time to talk because it's cold. That's why everybody here is abrupt and angry, right? Matthew's from the south. He's like, hey, let me tell you a little story. I was in Chick-fil-A and Jesus came in and I was having special sauce and it was del- Right, so let's go to Matthew. That's not in the Bible, but you're welcome. Um, verse 22 of Matthew 15, we get some more details that helps us understand maybe why... He did that. It says in, in, in Matthew's account, 
And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Wow. Here's a Gentile, and she used his title. The Jews didn't even do that. The religious people didn't even do that. O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. Jesus was silent. Didn't speak to her, didn't acknowledge her. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. There it is again. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So we get more details from Matthew, but it doesn't answer the question. Still called her a dog. In fact, it says that when she cried out to him, Lord, son of David, he was silent. He didn't respond. And and she evidently kept crying out and he stayed silent. Until finally it's his disciples that come in and his disciples say, send her away. She's crying out. She's making a scene. Wow. Jesus is silent and the disciples say, send her away. And then when Jesus finally does speak, he says that I wasn't sent for Gentiles. My mission is clear. It's to the lost sheep of Israel. But the woman persists. Lord, help me. You ever been in that place? Where all that's the only prayer that was on your lips? It's a good prayer. Lord, help me. Help me. And that's when Jesus pushes her a little further. See, make no mistake, Jesus is provoking her. Jesus is stirring something up in her. And I don't know all the reasons. We're not even really sure why he's there. But in that moment, that's when he says, do I take the bread that's meant for the children and give it to their dogs? He's using a cultural slur. He's using language his disciples would have used. Now, something that we have to draw attention to is text never gives us tone, does it? No, literally, this might save your marriage. Text <laughs> doesn't relate tone, okay? Have you been in a situation where you got a text and you were about to ready to go to DEFCON 4, prefrontal cortex blows the lid and it's like, whoa, 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 you didn't see? Dude, I was a little late on the LOL and the emojis, <laughs> right? So we don't see the LOL and the emojis here. I don't know. I'm not going to speak where scripture doesn't speak and I'm going to stay silent where it's not, but I can wonder. We can't see Jesus' face. We can't hear his tone. Shall I take the bread for the children and give it to their dogs? Oh, wow, cool. 
Or is it, shall I take the bread for the children and give it to their little doggies? Two different tones, right? You guys want me to keep going? Let me think of another way. No, just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. But we don't know his tone. We don't even know her posture. Some commentators speculate that Jesus might have been in that house where he was trying to remain hidden and she might have burst in uninvited into that house. She may have been on on her knees while he was sitting at the table. Now there's a different context. We don't know. We don't know where Jesus was looking when he said those words. Was he looking at that woman when he said the word dogs? Or was he looking at the disciples who had just begged him to send her away? I know what you're thinking. I know what you consider her. Should I take the bread meant for the children and give it to their dogs? You who want me to send her away. You see how that changes it? Maybe he was trying to shame them. Maybe he was trying to teach them. I don't know all the extras. We don't get all that. But we know one thing is Jesus was stretching her faith because Jesus stretches our faith. He was pushing her. Because of the rest of what's said. After he said that, notice this. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. When she didn't get the answer that she wanted, she didn't leave offended. She didn't stand up and be, how dare you speak to me that way? I'm out of here. Some Messiah you are. Some loving person you are. Some church this is. Some pastor he is. Some Christian she is. We are so easily offended. We're all snowflake generation. In 2019. She doesn't say, don't you know I'm a mother? How dare you? She in her desperation before God in flesh persists. Please Lord. And when he says, should I take the bread meant for them and give it to a dog? She's she's saying in her words, I may be a dog, but even dogs get to eat the crumbs. That's the only way to come to Jesus. And he's stretching her faith there. He's provoking that answer. And in Matthew, he commends her. This is a faith-filled answer. Go, your, your request has been granted. She moved beyond the, oh, I heard this guy does miracles into a place of humility and faith. Jesus always does that with us. You notice that, how he stretches our faith? He stretches our faith as a church. Some of us don't like that. We don't like our our faith to be stretched as a church. We want country club church. We want nice, comfortable church. We want church where everybody knows my name. And he says, nope, I'm going to stretch you like a muscle. And those of us that are in the gym because it's new you, 2019, our muscles are sore because we're being stretched, right? If you've ever had a personal trainer and they're like, yeah, one more set, a little bit more reps, you're like, no, I hate you. It's not because they're sadistic, although some of them are. It's because they're stretching those muscles to make them stronger. It's the same way with God and our faith. He stretches our faith. I'm going to say this to you right now. If your faith has never been stretched, you may not know Jesus. You may not know God. Because he's a God that stretches faith. Real faith. Faith that's alive. Faith that's in relationship. And if you're in a time of recovery, get recovered quick. 
because he'll stretch them again. He's done that for our church. He does that for us individually. He'll stretch your faith as a couple. And you'll look at things and be like, oh, our marriage isn't just going really well right now. Or you know what? She's being a real da-da-da-da-da. He's being a real da-da-da-da-da. Could it be that your faith is being stretched? How many times have we said, is, is marriage really to make you happy or is it really to make you holy? That's Christian jingoism for you can't contain God and how he's going to work and how he's going to push and how he's going to teach and how he's going to stretch. Jesus stretches our faith, doesn't he? Does it all the time. What about the spit? So some people, right after that, they bring a man who's deaf and mute. And they bring this man and they catch this. They beg Jesus just to put his hand on him. Did you notice that Jesus doesn't? He does something different. Because they're trying to contain Jesus, keep him in those boundaries. We've decided that the best way for you to heal him is just put your hand on him. And I'd like to think that Jesus was like, thank you. I'll go ahead and be the Messiah. You can have a seat. <laughs> Good job. Well done. Is, that, is it okay if I'm in charge for a while, right? His response is so totally different. But why did he do that? Well, let's keep in mind that here's Jesus and a deaf man. For those of you that went to public school, that means he can't hear. So, guy can't hear. He takes him aside, away from the crowd, one-on-one. And then he sticks his fingers in his ears, pulls them out, and he spits. Then he touches his tongue. And then the sigh, in the, in the real translation, it's more of a, it's very demonstrative. And then he looks up to heaven. And then he says, which would have easily, you could have read those lips. Be opened. And in a moment, in an instant, he could hear and he could speak. Why did he do that? Jesus is using nonverbal communication with a deaf man. Why is this important? I've seen the TV preachers that claim to be healers and want you to send them their money. And I I remember back in the day, you know, sticking fingers in ears because, oh, if Jesus did it, this must be the formula. You got to stick a finger in the ear and see the guy spit and kept putting his fingers in going, be healed, be healed, right? Smack him on the forehead and pay him some money to tell everybody they can hear it. You know what I mean? Am I the only one? It's not a formula. He's using nonverbal communication. Sign language hadn't been invented yet. He takes him aside one-on-one. Puts his fingers in his ears. You can't hear. That's bad. That's evil. That's from the fall. That's Genesis chapter 3. That's the curse. You were meant to be able to hear my voice, but you can't. It's a bad thing. Your tongue, he touches it. Wouldn't it be great to be able to speak, to be able to praise God, to be able to communicate with people you love? This is your condition. And then he looks to heaven. Make no mistake where this healing power is coming from. My father gets the glory. 
He looks to heaven. And then he says, be opened. Boom. Why? Because Jesus speaks personally. Jesus speaks personally. He doesn't cookie cutter his communication for you and for you and for you and for me and for us and for them. It's personal to you. It's personal to me. He speaks in a way that you can understand. He speaks at a time that you're ready for it. He speaks at a time when he's ready to speak. He does it in a way that he's going to do it. Would you just put your hand on him? Nope, not going to do that. Thanks. I'll be the Messiah for a minute. I'm going to pull him aside and we're going to play charades. Jesus speaks personally. Has he spoken to you? I love that about Jesus. Each person. It wasn't just a number. It wasn't just the masses. It's not just the great unwashed barbarians in the land of misfit toys here. He knows you and he speaks to you personally. What we do is we don't hear it and we move away from it. Or we go, oh, you know, that was just indigestion. I ate some bad shrimp, you know. Or I was probably just my imagination. Or I just really like that song. And it's like, no, he speaks in church. He speaks out of church. He speaks loudly. He speaks in the still, small voice. Sometimes he speaks in a way that if you were to try to communicate it to someone else, it would sound silly. Have you noticed that? Why? Because it's intimate communication and it's personal, just like it was for this deaf man. I believe Jesus wanted him to know he gets the glory. This is where this is coming from. So this man could have faith. He's always building faith. And in that moment, he was definitely outside the lines. You can't contain how he's going to Heal, and in that moment, he was definitely stretching some faith. Because if it was me, and I could hear, I'd be like, whoa, 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 what's up with the wet willies? Why? Stop. I don't like it. Don't, don't put your finger in my ear. Get your hands out of my mouth. What are you doing? Hey, mama told me don't spit, right? But if I'm a deaf guy, you're speaking my language. It says in Job chapter 33, It says, for God speaks in one way and in two. For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. God's speaking all the time. Chances are, for some of you, he's speaking right now. Or he's already spoken during the worship music. Or he'll speak later before you fall asleep. Places you don't expect. There was a guy in Fight Club this week who shared this story. He's a godly man. He's a Christian man. He's been Christian for most of his life. He's about 40 years old. He's in a dark place. He's in a hurting place. He and his wife have faced some terrible, terrible loss. Loss that can't even be described. And for the first time in his life, he's really dialing in on faith. You know, he's been a Christian. He's a good man, pays his taxes, you know, loves his family, trains his children in the fear of the Lord. And, you know, I mean, he's in Fight Club. He has a Bible. Well, he's been really reading it now, seeking God and begging God. And in this really, really dark place, it was just really culminating this winter. And last week, his Family was out of town and he's in his big old house all by himself and he's sitting in the living room on his couch with God's word and he's reading God's word and finally just has to put it down and this is a broken man. Starts praying out loud. 
crying out to God. Doesn't see the hope, doesn't see the end. So far out of the boundaries. Faith stretched to beyond breaking point. Where are you? And our fight club table said in that moment, all of a sudden, he felt the presence of God. He said it was like Jesus himself sat down on the couch right next to me. This is a manly man. Sat down right on the couch next to me and said, I got you. And he goes, in a peace that I can't even understand filled the room. And it was funny because we're all just looking at him. And he was like, I don't know, maybe. And all of us were like, no, 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 stop. Don't. That was real. That happened. Because when Jesus speaks personally, you know that you know that you know. And it'll never contradict his word. It'll never contradict his nature. It will be out of your boundaries because you can't contain him. It will stretch you. Because this guy was like, I am the most non-charismatic guy you know. But he said, I'm going to tell you, I am 40 years old. And I have never sensed God's presence till that couch. One of the guys at the table says, was it a peace that surpasses all understanding? Yeah. Yeah, there's a verse. Philippians 3.14. <laughs> Has Jesus ever sat by you on your couch? Because that's awesome. And don't let anyone tell you that didn't happen. And if that does happen... Man, I'm going to challenge you to write that down. Because these moments don't happen all the time. But when they do, you'll know that God himself spoke to you in a way that you can understand and you can hear. And that's for you. Why does he do that? Because he loves us so much. What's What's the here and do for all this? Is it just to find all the little things in this little passage? No. Whether it's Learning again that Jesus can't be contained even when it doesn't make sense to us, right? Or learning when it feels hurtful. Dog, really? He's stretching our faith. He's provoking our faith. He's stretching that muscle and pushing us more and more. Whether he has spoken or not, he'll speak when he wants to and you can bet your life he'll speak in a way that you know. And it might sound silly to everyone else, but you'll know Because it'll be your language. The hear and do, not just just to be hearers of God's words, but doers, is simply this. Trust Jesus. Trust him. When he's outside your boundaries, just trust him. Trust him. He's going to go up to Tyre and Sidon. Can he be the Messiah for a minute? Thank you. He's outside your boundaries. He's working in other places like Manistee. He's working among Kingsley people. He's working with those Traverse City libs. Just like he's working with your red state, red meat, lower tax, whatever. He's not going to be contained by your political party. Sorry. Trust him. 
Trust him. Trust him when he stretches your faith. Trust him when he speaks personally. And when you hear it, do it. You know, at the end of this passage, did you catch that little thing, the last part of the passage? Where it says they were amazed. All these people that had wanted him to leave. Back in the demon pig story, they were amazed. And they said, he does everything well. That's why you trust God. That's why we trust Jesus. Because he does everything well. He does everything right. I don't. Sorry, you look so shocked. I don't do everything right. Neither do you. Neither do we. Neither does our church. Neither does their church. Neither does those people. He does everything well. Think about that. He does everything right. I don't know what you brought here today. I don't know what you're dragging in. I don't know what's heavy on your heart. I don't know what fears or anxieties. I don't know if you've ever been in a place. I know you will be where you're like, why, did you, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Trust him. He does everything right. And trust him. He loves you more than you love you. But it's my marriage. Ah, he loves her more than you love her. But it's my kids. He cares about your children more than you could ever care about them. Moms, calm down. But it's true. He loves us. Even in the song we're going to sing about the reckless love of God. If we believe that, if we really believe that, and our worship is not a farce, then we trust Him. We trust him in when and how he speaks. We trust him when he pushes us. We trust him when he asks more of us than we think is even possible. He knows the breaking point. So trust Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're not sure, the invitation today is for you to trust Jesus. If you're not ready yet, that's okay too. Just keep coming back. But this Jesus that we're singing about, this This Jesus that we're praying to, this Jesus that we're studying, he can be trusted with everything. And if you thought you came in here by mistake, I promise you, you didn't. He knew. If you're here today and you are a Christian, the invitation is the same. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus with the situation. Trust Jesus with how your faith is being pushed. Trust Jesus with the relationship. Trust Jesus with your money, with your body, with your sexuality, with your talent, with your reputation, with your job. Trust Jesus with it. He can be trusted because he loves you. He loves us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us. God, I thank you that you demonstrated your love for us when you sent your son, Jesus, to the world. Jesus, I thank you that you demonstrated your love for us and that you died on a cross for our sins. You never sinned, and yet you paid the price for my sin and for our sins. God, would you help us to trust you more as individuals, as couples, as families, as a church, as people of God, for your glory. And it's in the one that we trust. It's in his name, Jesus, that we pray. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Trust Jesus. God bless you.